everyone. Uh, if you're just tuning in, it, today, yes, it's the 31st of January, 2021, the last Sunday of this month of January. So thank you for tuning in. And I'd invite you again to don't be shy, share the broadcast. Don't worry. As I often say, I won't embarrass you. Uh, everything that we teach here is this, this is the Bible, and uh, I'll try and be sensitive to the fact that many of you, when you hit that share button, you're thinking of your your friend who maybe doesn't go to church, your friend who maybe believes in a different religious view, and uh, that's what we're here for. Uh, so uh, you don't be shy to hit that share, and uh, that would be great. That's your way of inviting people uh, to your church, okay? And don't be shy as well to use the comments section, whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, and we'll try to get some of those comments on the screen. Uh, thank you to my tech team who's working hard here. You have no idea the tech that we're using. I mean, we, we're controlling the slides from one house, and Simon's leading from his house and trying to get the sound and everything together. So I'm so grateful for all the volunteer effort that's been taking place really over the last year as we continue in marching through here uh, in this, this season of our lives. So a few announcements. Pray for our missionaries, as always, the man's. Don and Marie-José, especially Don's health, uh, that God would bring him to 100% as they prepare to head overseas, <coughs> excuse me, and teach leadership all around the world. Pray for the Charbonneaux as well in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. I have no idea what the temperature is there, but you can uh, you can get in touch with them really easily through their website and Facebook pages that you'll see on your screen there. And also for our newest partner, EJ Toupe who serves in urban Toronto, deep in the urban core in Toronto uh, with the itinerant population and so on. And these are these are the folks that we partner with to reach the one who is far from God so that together we would become passionate followers of Jesus. A couple of things to come uh, right away. Um, this coming Wednesday, starting February the 3rd, will be our online video Bible study. This is going to be for one hour only on Wednesday nights, five weeks only. You see the topics on the right-hand side of your screen there. This is a really well-produced video series uh, shot on-site in uh, um, Israel and Turkey and Greece, and uh, talking about the subject of a clash of kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, and the conflict that exists there. In particular, uh, we'll look at the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul and his workings in the city of Philippi from the book of Philippians and also the book of Acts. You will love this. This will make the Bible uh, uh, turn in color for you from from black and white. Maybe some of you are watching WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. Well, it's kind of like turning it into color, and it'll make sense to you in ways that it hasn't before. And uh, you also get to make friends at the same time. Yes, that can be done on video, all right? We had a great time in Alpha last year, and uh, we're going to do the same just for five weeks starting on Wednesday nights. It's through the Zoom platform, so watch your email for a link. Um, and also, we'll get that ticker running at the bottom of the screen. Uh, if you're brand new to the broadcast, uh, text the key phrase, reach the one, with no spaces. You'll see it on the screen there, to 514-900-0130. If you do that today, I will send you that link, that Zoom link tomorrow. But everybody else who's watching, you should be on our mass email and text list, and that's how I communicate with you, okay? Uh, also, start uh, again, running tomorrow. We started this last week. We're going to do on Monday nights uh, live uh, uh, a Q&A. can be any question. I usually come with one lead question, but I'll take your questions live. And also prayer requests. And we're going to spend some time praying together on Monday nights as well, just for an hour. We had a really good time doing this last Monday. A uh, half an hour, I stand corrected, yes, from 7 to 7.30. And uh, we had a really good time doing this last Monday. And uh, tomorrow we're going to tackle the question uh, that came up last week, why doesn't God take away COVID? This is a very relevant question, even touches on a bit of what we're talking about today, all right? But that will be tomorrow. And also, we've started up a private Facebook discipleship group, and this is for people who want to grow deeper in their walk with the Lord. Uh, how do you find out what your spiritual gifts are? How do you learn about that? How do you learn about baptism and and serving? How do you learn to share your faith? Um, where are you challenged to apply what you're learning on Sundays 
to your life. It's going deeper uh, to the next place of your spiritual growth. There's accountability. There's prayer. We're going to do some video devotions in that group. And uh, I give the group homework to do every week. We started this last Sunday. Uh, So this is going to challenge you. And this is going to make you grow as a disciple, a follower of Jesus. So if you are interested in that group, head over to our Facebook page and you should see it there or just do a search for the Facebook group City Point Discipleship. And I would love it if uh, more and more people would join. We've got about four or five so far and I'm giving them things to do already. Okay. And uh, so it's really, really neat that we've started it up finally uh, using this this time. And a private Facebook group is really good because it's any time. You can post content on there and watch it any time, okay? So you can do that as well. And also a treat for you, uh, the stage production of the Bible story from the book of Genesis, uh, the account of Noah and the flood. Uh, this is a, a fantastic production. I've seen it live a couple of times in the U.S., and it's being streamed, uh, a, a recording of it, it's not live, but it's a, uh, being streamed on TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Uh, today is the last day, and you can watch it for, for free. The link is on your screen there. Just watch on demand after you set up your account, and uh, you will really enjoy this production if you like music, if you like stage, if you like acting. Uh, it is great gorgeous and really thought-provoking as well, especially given the season that we are living through. So I would encourage you to watch it. Those of you who have young children in the house, they're going to love it, make it a family thing, have some hot chocolate, it's so cold outside, and enjoy uh, this production of the uh, screening of Noah on uh, the Trinity Broadcasting Network, all right? Uh, We'll put that slide on the screen for your giving. And uh, yeah, you can you can give through citypointchurch.ca slash give. And thank you so much for being faithful. That is the key, consistency and faithfulness uh, in generosity. And that's what keeps us running. I mean, the little studio I got in my house, all of this, all of this stuff costs money. The stream, the internet, everything costs money, all these platforms and ways of communicating and so on. And that's how we do church uh, for now, but that's that's going to change. Hopefully, we'll get back at some point to the theater and uh, get get together in the same place again. Uh, but keep on keeping on in your faithfulness and in your giving. And thank you so much for doing that. All right, we are in part 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 four of our series. When you pray, this is a phrase from Jesus in his teaching. And you see it in Matthew chapter 6, the famous Lord's Prayer. When you pray, he says, pray this way. And the assumption of Jesus is that indeed we do pray. And so what I want to challenge you with, if you get anything from this series, is that you would get to a place where you are praying every day. And you're praying prayers that are authentic and prayers that mean something for you, and prayers that transform your life more and more into a Christ-like character. And so uh, that's the goal for this. I want to motivate you and challenge you to pray, and to pray consistently, and even to pray daily. So today we're going to talk about praying for courage. We started the series with the question, what do I pray about? And then we Uh, In part two, we talked about why. Why do we pray anyway? Um, And in part three, oh boy, I forget what we talked about in part three, but you can look it up, all right? They're all posted on Facebook and YouTube. And also, if you like audio only, we are on the Podbean and Apple Podcasts platforms, okay? Today, we are talking about courage. Oh, yes, last week, it was about a decision, about a decision. There's actually a lady who contacted me, just a little story here, uh, after last week's message, and she said it really spoke to her about something that happened to her in, in that week, and she's uh, uh, worked in the hospitals for for many years, retired now, and she just without even having to pray about it or anything. Uh, She just volunteered her time and she will be administering uh, vaccines uh, starting uh, very shortly, just in a few days, just serving. And that's fantastic. And that's, that's 
serving, and that's the church at work and the church in action, all right? You know that I work a couple of days a week at a food bank. Uh, there are a couple people in our church who uh, have served there and want to serve there. That's another way that you can serve, another way that you can get involved, all right? Uh, so today we're going to talk about courage and praying for courage and this is also out of the book of acts this is where we'll be spending our time for the next few weeks looking at examples from the first century from the first church as to how they prayed for things and learning from their prayers and learning from these these things that they prayed about that are recorded for us uh, in the book of acts from the first century and this is an example of praying for courage. It's from the book of Acts chapter 4 and verses 23 to 31. I'll give you some context in a minute, but I'll just read the verses for you. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, and that's the the, the, the crowd of people, little group of people that Peter and John reported to, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Watch their prayer. Sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And this is what you spoke. This is from Psalm 2 in the Bible's Old Testament. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. And then they continue their prayer. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city, that's Jerusalem, to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And watch this little end of the prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. End of prayer. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. A prayer for courage. Now, it's really important before we just learn a few lessons from this prayer to understand what's going on and to understand the context. And it really starts at the beginning of chapter 4, uh, and really back into chapter 3. And what's happening here is that Peter and John in chapter 3 of the book of Acts, they go to the temple at what was called the time of prayer. And back in that day, uh, the Jewish people would have several times in the day where they would go to the temple or the temple courts area to pray. There's no temple anymore. It was destroyed in the year 70. This is written, and this account took place uh, shortly before the destruction of the temple, probably sometime in the 30s or 40s this took place. The temple was destroyed in the year 70. It has never since been rebuilt. So this is the center place of worship for the Jewish people. And so they go to the temple to pray, and they run into a man who is disabled, and he was born that way. Uh, the man is in his 40s, we're told later, and he would be carried to the gate of the temple. And he was put there every day, and his job was to beg for money. He's basically holding out his hand that people would give him money at, at, 
for pity, I suppose. And that was really his job. Maybe he made a little bit of income from that, but that was his job. So it was really, uh, you can imagine what his life must have been like. And so he sees Peter and John, and so he goes through the same thing that he always does. But Peter and John's reaction is quite different. Uh, They don't give him money. They don't walk by him. Instead, uh, they demand for his attention, and they demand that uh, he looks at them as if he wasn't looking at them before. And then they say these words, Uh, This is from Acts chapter 3 and verse 6. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. This is after he ascends into heaven. I know some of you have trouble with that. Just hold on. We'll get there in a moment. Uh, This is after that. And they say, in his name, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk and they take the man by the hand and the man actually walks around and he's walking and jumping in public he's in the temple courts and people see this this is a a public miraculous sign that is done there right out in the open and so this is, creates quite a a stir and everybody recognizes him as, you know, that beggar. And so there's, there's, there's an issue over this. And the reason is that the temple is controlled by a group of folks called the Sadducees. When you read the book of Acts, you're going to see you've got Sadducees and you've got Pharisees. See? And you're probably saying, well, who are these people? Pharisees and Sadducees and so on. Well, Sadducees were kind of the aristocratic, wealthy segment of Judaism. And uh, Sadducees believe the first five books of the Bible or the books of Moses, or sometimes we call those the Pentateuch today. Uh, They believed those, but they rejected the rest. And so they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in uh, uh, the afterlife. They didn't believe in angels. So they had a very particular religious view. They were very powerful. They controlled the temple. They uh, controlled the legal courts. They uh, had their own judicial system and everything. Uh, The Pharisees were a little bit different in that the Pharisees believed all of the Tanakh, what we call the Old Testament today. Uh, So the law, the prophets, the writings, they believed all of it. They believed in the resurrection of the dead. They believed in in the immortality of the soul. They believed in the afterlife. They believed in angels. And so you've got differing religious views within Judaism back in the first century. But these folks here, the Sadducees, they had their own police, and they controlled the temple. So don't confuse the Sadducees with Rome. Uh, The whole area there was governed by Rome. The whole world at that time was governed by Rome and controlled by Rome. But that's this is not Rome they're dealing with. This is a religious thing. And these Sadducees were in control, and this thing is done in public, And they're talking about a man uh, who was raised from the dead, and they just did something inexplicable in his name. It causes quite a stir, Um, and Peter and John are addressing uh, this crowd of people, uh, and they're talking about Jesus, and they're talking about his resurrection, and they're quite direct, and they're basically preaching the gospel message of forgiveness of sins and so on to these people talking about, well, that Jesus has just healed this person. God has just glorified Jesus. Why are you looking at us as if we did anything? God has just glorified his servant, Jesus, whom he raised from the dead. And this is evidence that he's been raised from the dead. You see, look at this man. This man is healed right in front of your eyes. And they talk about repentance and so on. They preach this little message Well, it causes a a big stir, and uh, the captain of the temple guard, the Sadducees, they come up and they say, okay, now hold the phone, 
and uh, they are going to they are going to lower the boom on Peter and John. They're very disturbed because they're talking about what the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, which they firmly, firmly reject. This is a, again a religious view that the, the Sadducees held, and they were in control of the temple uh, uh, and everything there. So they seize Peter and John. And they put them in jail. They imprison them for essentially performing an act of kindness at the temple. I mean, imagine a man who's an adult who's never walked in his life, and he is miraculously and powerfully healed right there out in public. This is not done in in a context where, you know, uh, people want it to be true, and they want to believe that this guy really was healed. This is done in a. In, some of the people are friendly to it, but the Sadducees and the temple police and that they're not friendly to this at all. This is causing them a big problem. They do not want to believe that this happened, but they've got an issue because this man is standing right out there in front of everyone. So they take Peter and John, they throw them into prison, uh, and meanwhile, the new community of faith, the church is growing because they hear this message that's being preached. They see this guy who's just been healed dramatically in this fashion, very much like something that Jesus had done in the Gospels so many times over. And it's like it's happening, and through the hands of the apostles, Jesus is once again healing somebody. It's amazing. So then they're going to question them. They're going to interrogate them. You've got some of the same folks who interrogated Jesus. You've got Annas and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, people from the high priest family, and they are going to interrogate Peter and John by what power and name did you do this? And, and Peter and John are very bold. And they get right in their face and they say, this is by the power and the name of Jesus. You can't deny it. Uh, And they say, there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved but the name of Jesus. And then it says in verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, note that courage, and they realized they were unschooled men, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. And so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin. That's a Jewish ruling court. Jesus stood before the Sanhedrin at one point and conferred together. And they said, well, what are we going to do with these men? Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. Folks, if you have trouble with the miraculous, and you read the Bible and you say, I just can't believe that these things took place, all these miracles, you have right here an example of something miraculous that was done in front of people who did not want to believe that it actually happened. But there was nothing that they could do about it. It was done right in front of them. And that's a genuine piece of evidence that shows us that this is not this is not people fancifully wishing that something took place. We're told here that the whole city of Jerusalem knew that this man was publicly healed, and the man is standing there walking around. You have to deny this account and so many others in the Scripture to hold to a position that miracles don't happen. How do they happen? By the power of God. I mean, yes, there's an element of faith required to believe in miracles, but to try and discount them over and over again as they appear in the Bible I think it requires more faith to not believe that they took place than to believe that they actually did take place. And so they say, well, we can't do anything about the healing. We can't deny the healing. We can't run around and say the healing didn't happen. We can't say that they're inventing it. We can't say that they're exaggerating it. We simply can't deny that a healing took place. But here's what we'll do, verse 17 of Acts 4, to stop this thing from spreading. 
We don't want this nonsense taught that there's a resurrection. We don't want this nonsense taught that Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Because if that happens, it affects our control and our power over the temple courts, over the whole system that we're, I mean, we're the Sadducees, we're the Sanhedrin. Like, we do not want this thing spreading anymore. This is a, this is religious, ideological persecution that Peter and John are facing. So we are going to warn these men to not speak any longer in this name. And so they call them again together before the Sanhedrin and they order them. You will not speak in the name of Jesus. You keep your mouth closed. Don't speak about him. Don't speak in his name. Don't, we don't want to hear it anymore. And then Peter and John reply, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. And then they threaten them some more, verse 21, and then they let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. You've got a big, big problem in Jerusalem. This thing is public. And what was it? An act of kindness at the temple. But you see there is a religious attack right away. There is ideological religious persecution that Peter and John face. They're thrown in prison. They have to deal with the high court of the Sanhedrin, uh, which had Sadducees and Pharisees on it, we think. But but there certainly was a, a Sadducee element uh, on the Sanhedrin. And so uh, that's what's going on here. Now, be careful, because I've seen people take this this whole thing and they say, you see, uh, the yeah, especially in the, our time in the pandemic, just to make it relevant, you see this in the news. And you see yeah, people say the churches have to meet and we defy the the governmental thing of, you know, closing church buildings and so on. We defy it because we must obey God rather than men. See, it says in the book of Acts chapter four, we must obey God rather than men. Be careful, folks. That's that's apples and oranges what you're dealing with here it these people are in a religious context they're being religiously persecuted this is an ideological battle is rome is not involved in this thing at this point they were with jesus and uh, jesus was executed publicly by the romans because the 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 religious elite that wanted him out of the way they could not publicly legally execute him so they got rome involved in that whole thing uh that's what we talk about at easter time but um this is a this is a religious thing that's going on so don't confuse the two uh but it's persecution and uh these folks require courage and they're facing the heat for talking about their faith and for living out their faith so that's what's going on here, and that's the context. You say, well, how does that really relate to my life? Well, courage is a really necessary ingredient to life, isn't it? I mean, there are, especially in this time, there's fear all over the place. Uh, there's, a, there's a legitimate fear of a, of a virus that can be deadly. Uh, there is fear that people have about losing their jobs. There is fear about the future. What is happening here is is more going to come. Uh, where is God? Has He left us? And again, we'll we'll talk about uh, that a little bit more tomorrow night at seven o'clock. And so, people need courage. Young people are are facing despair. I mean, young people staying at home and having to try and you know do their school from home and no social connection that they're used to and this is this is really discouraging for young people and really uh we've just finished um uh bell uh canada had their let's talk day where they talk about mental illness and uh rightfully so and this is this is on the rise folk and fear is a powerful powerful experience and it's not going away so to pray for courage is a very relevant thing whether you're in an ideological religious 
context and you're being persecuted that way, or you just flat out need courage and you're facing a situation that's got you afraid. Uh, courage is a very needed ingredient in life. Uh, but this is this is a, a setting where these people are going to, Peter and John are going to head back home, so to speak, and they're going to go back to their, their group of believers, and they're going to pray because they see what's going on here. So I want to give you a few little practical tips from this prayer that they pray that can help you when you're facing a situation where you say, I need courage. I am afraid of this given situation, of this given diagnosis, uh, of this thing I have to face, and I need courage, all right? So this is in the prayer. Uh, Number one, acknowledge God's sovereignty. Acknowledge God's sovereignty. We'll put that on the screen. Yeah, there it is. Um, That's the first thing. And you see this right at the beginning of the prayer. They lift their voices to God after Peter and John report to their group. Uh, presumably, this is some of the 120 people who, were, who we saw in Acts chapter 2. We're not sure exactly who's there. The people are, are uh, moved to call out to God after they hear, Wow, you guys faced the heat for just just being who you are really just just living out your 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 walk of faith in front of people and actually performing an act of kindness to a man who never walked in his life wow and so they are motivated to call out to god and look at their first words sovereign lord the first word sovereign Okay, that's translated into the English. The word is sovereign. What does sovereign mean? And this is why I believe God is at work this morning through our broadcast here. I did not tell Simon that that I was going into detail about this today. And he talked about the sovereignty of God as he was sharing his story and his own personal experience of a of a terrible dark moment in life where his wife passed away uh, at the age of 29 years old. I mean, it was, we walked together with Simon in that moment as a church, and it was a very, very dark and very difficult moment um, in life. And it continues, you know, you you learn to live uh, through through the pain and through the loss. Sovereign Lord. What does the word sovereign mean? Well, they knew what it meant when they prayed this prayer. Sovereign, which is a word that we don't use that often today in in contemporary English, but what it means is to reign over everything. So sovereign, uh, this is used when talking about kings and kingdoms, typically. You know, maybe you're watching some series in Netflix and they talk about the sovereign king. Well, that means that the, the king reigns over everything and over everyone in his or her kingdom. Sovereign. So when we talk about God and we talk about God's sovereignty, it means that God reigns over everything. So you'll see in this prayer, they recognize that God reigns over even the difficult circumstances that they're in. They're facing persecution. They were thrown in jail. You'll see worse happen to believers in the book of Acts. They'll be beaten. They'll be left for dead. Uh, Paul faced that. He faced. He came within inches of his own life, losing his own life because of his faith and his bold proclamation of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. He almost lost his life, in fact, more than once. Uh, so... It, they recognize that God reigns over even those difficult circumstances and even those unjust and evil things that happen. God reigns over even that. You say, well, I don't understand. How is that possible? You're saying God reigns over something bad that happened to me? Well, here's the thing. Uh, God 
all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, just, holy, all these characteristics, and we'll talk more about this tomorrow, God has given people the ability to choose. We have a free will. We have a volition. We can do what we want. We can do things that are against God. We can do things that are against his character, against his nature, against his ethics. And the fact is we do this all the time. And yet God is still sovereign at the same time. He reigns over those who love him. He reigns over those who hate him. He somehow reigns. So even with our free will to commit evil or good, God still reigns. He is still able somehow to work circumstances of life somehow for the positive for those, oftentimes those who have been afflicted, those who have been hurt. Uh, He works, uh, Paul wrote to the Romans, he works in everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The good and even the bad, he is able somehow to work those things. And Simon referred to that in his prayer. I think of people who have endured horrible abuse and suffering in their lives. I think of people who've lived through genocide. I think of people who've lived through uh, the Holocaust. And there's fewer and fewer of those people alive today. But they have seen unspeakable evil, moral evil. There's people who've lived through what I'll call, or in some philosophers call, natural evil, Um, A pandemic is a natural evil, but something like a genocide or a holocaust, that's a moral evil. When people live through those things, sometimes those people, uh, uh, God is able somehow to work in their lives ultimately for their good. Uh, So uh, you on the other side of this camera who've endured injustice and suffering and evil, moral evil, natural evil, you who have endured that, let me assure you, first of all, God keeps good records, and God keeps good books, and justice is coming. Uh, That person may, or those people may have gotten away with something in their minds, but not in God's mind, and justice, ultimate, eternal justice is is coming. That's why the second coming of Jesus is so important, because that's the ultimate reckoning and evidence of the justice of God against evil. Both moral evil and natural evil, he will change everything at the second coming. But also, even in this life, God is able to work even in that horrible, evil circumstance, that devastation, whatever it was that you experienced, I've heard people who've lived through the Holocaust and they say, you know, I watch my family get killed in front of me. People who have lived through modern genocides, I watched my family massacred in front of me. I watched everything get taken away from me. But one thing that those people who did those things can't take away from me is my decision to choose whether I will have joy today or not. Wow, what a perspective people uh, who live through those kinds of things can have on life. Who does that? Who creates that? Who helps them with that perspective? Well, God does. God does. So what they're acknowledging in this prayer, God, you are sovereign. You reign over everything, including this circumstance. So acknowledge the sovereignty of God, number one. Number two, and we'll put this on the screen, acknowledge the power of God as well. So sovereign Lord, you made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and when you watch Noah, you're going to see some of this referred to. If you watch it uh, this uh, today, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea. By the way, if you have kids, you really want to get them in front of just just saying, OK, I know we've had no kids ministry for like a year. You really want to take advantage of that. And also uh, right now, media, which we can give you access to as well. All right. Just contact me for details. Um, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They acknowledge God's sovereignty. They acknowledge God's power. And notice, they're not, they're not saying, oh, God, you know, 
we're we're really concerned with how you did it. We're really concerned with whether or not it was six literal 24-hour days and, you know, whether or not the earth is 10,000 years old or 15 billion years old or whether or not there was a big bang. <laughs> no, they're saying, God, we acknowledge your sovereignty and God, we acknowledge your power. You created it. You you are the one who brought it into existence. So in, in simple terms, you made, you made, you made. You are sovereign and you made. Say, well, why does God need to be reminded that he's sovereign and that he made everything? Why are they praying this prayer? Doesn't God know that? Sure, God knows that. But what are they doing? They are acknowledging who God is, what his nature is like, what his power is like. Why? Because that encourages them. They're lining themselves up with the nature of God because they need courage. And that's what you have to do. You've got to line yourself up with, hey, this is who God is. This is who I am coming to when I come to him for prayer. I'm coming to the one who is sovereign. He reigns over everything. And I'm coming to the one who made everything everything. That's who I'm coming to. Boy, that's you're really going to be motivated to ask God for courage when you acknowledge those things and they go further. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. David, King David. So he wrote so many of the Psalms and they quote from the sec, what we call the second Psalm of David, which you can look up in your Old Testament. They just quote the first few verses. And again, acknowledging the sovereignty. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers of the earth gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one or his Christ in the Greek. So they they look at this and they see that Indeed, this is exactly what's happening. So this is all happening according to what God had already said would happen. They're looking at Psalm 2 as a piece of predictive prophecy. And they're saying, this was all foretold to us. And again, those of you who have trouble with the supernatural, this is what these people hung their hats on. Uh, They believed in the inspired word of God and that God spoke through the Bible. And to them, the evidence of this was God said things would happen and they came to be. And then they, they just saw this miraculous sign take place in a hostile or at least partially hostile context. This is what these people hung their hats on. Okay, they weren't foolish and silly and naive people. Uh, and they went to their graves believing this. And they're saying, look, God is sovereign. God is powerful. And he already said that all these things were going to happen. And they say, look, we've got Herod, and this would be Herod Antipas. We've got Pontius Pilate. We've got the Gentiles. We've got Israel. And they did exactly what David said would happen in Psalm 2. They conspire against God. They conspire against his Christ, uh, the Lord Jesus. And they did what your power and will, you see, the power of God, the sovereignty of God had decided beforehand should happen. What are they saying? God, you've got you've got this thing in control. This is all this doesn't take you by surprise. We've been thrown in jail. We've been interrogated. Worse is coming. You said all this was going to happen. And so we are coming confidently before you. We acknowledge your power. We acknowledge your sovereignty. Another tip for you. What are they doing here? And you'll see this in the book of Acts over and over again. They are, and we'll put it on the screen, they're praying the scripture. What do they do? They've got Psalm 2 this time. We saw last week when they're making this decision about how to replace Judas, they've got more uh, scripture in front of them. They pray the scripture. They had such a deep knowledge and such a deep reverence for the Bible of their time that they used it in their prayers. And that is a great tip for you. Pray the scripture memorize chunks of scripture. I encourage you to do that as we're in this study on prayer. Fast, 
pray, learn, grow. Let the scripture become part of your prayer life, not just your read the Bible life, but it becomes part of your prayer life as well. So they acknowledge the sovereignty of God. They acknowledge the power of God. They pray the scripture and then they make the ask. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And here's the key word, enable, enable your servants to, what's the first thing? Speak your word with great boldness. They don't say, Lord, you've heard their threats. Now stop them. Stop them from threatening us. Stop them from uh, uh, trying to arrest us powerfully and miraculously put some kind of wall in front of us or them and them so that they can't touch us. No, they don't say that. They say, enable us to speak your word with boldness. So they're saying, listen, they're going to persecute us. They're going to come after us. They're going to arrest us. We could lose our lives. But here's what we want. Enable us to speak your word with boldness. The priority for them was communicating the word. And that is Jesus came. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is coming. You can be saved. You can be forgiven of your sin today. You can have eternal life. You can move from darkness to light. That's the word that they wanted to speak boldly. That was their first priority. Then they say, stretch out your hand and heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your servant, Jesus. Why? Because those signs and wonders do what? They authenticate the message that they want to speak boldly. Note the priority, right? We're kind of the reverse today. You know, we'll we'll cut our right arm off to see miracles. I mean, we'll travel hundreds and thousands of miles to go to a, a meeting where, you know, some evangelist might be healing people. But are we are we leading people to Christ? Are we speaking the message boldly? It's like we've got the priorities a little bit flipped today. Well, they didn't. For them, it was speak the message of of Jesus boldly. That's why when you read the New Testament, you read Peter, you read Paul, you read John, you read James, they don't spend uh, their time writing to churches about how to heal people. They don't give them little systems and formulas. You know, if you do this and do this and do this, you can raise the dead. If you do this and do this and do this, you can pray and sick people will come back to health and, and so on. They don't, they don't spend really any time doing that. What do they spend their time on? The message, the message, the message, the message. Those miracles, those wonders, those signs, their purpose is to authenticate the message because it's pretty powerful and pretty uh, persuasive when you see that kind of demonstration in front of you of the power of God. Those miracles, those signs and wonders, those are like previews of what is to come uh, when when Jesus returns. Uh, all those things are temporary, those miracles, those signs, those wonders, but they have a purpose, and that is to authenticate the message of Jesus. All the people who experienced those miracles and those signs and wonders, ultimately they passed away because those things are a preview. Those things are a window into the world to come and into the future that will come when Jesus returns. So they've asked for the enablement and the power of the Spirit of God. That's what they're doing. These are people who had already experienced that. These are people who were already filled with the Spirit we saw in Acts chapter 2, and yet here they are saying, God, we need boldness. What does that tell you? You need that on a daily basis. You need the courage to, to be who you are, to be a person of faith, to live for, uh, for Jesus the best way that you can. That takes courage. That takes boldness. That takes, to use a a, a, a vernacular word that takes guts and in the 21st century it takes guts to serve jesus and to be bold for him and you can't do that on your own you need the enablement of the spirit young people who are watching this you can't you can't be a christian by yourself 
Not in today's world. You need God to help you. You need the enablement of the Spirit. And that's what we need today. And that will give us courage. So acknowledge the sovereignty of God. Acknowledge His power. Pray the Scripture and ask for the enablement of the Spirit. Uh, Simon, if you are... If you can't hear me and you're in uh, in earshot, as they say, uh, we'll bring you onto the screen. And I'd like you to just play in the background. And I want to pray for people uh, just as we finish up uh, today. It's been a great morning. And I think that really, I think that the spirit is at work uh, this morning. So go ahead and play and uh, let's pray together. God, uh, I ask for each person who is watching today. And each person who who will watch this later or who will listen to it, that you would fill each person with your Holy Spirit and that people would experience the power of God in order to have courage to live through this world, in order to have courage to be who they are in front of this world world in this culture, to have courage to face tomorrow and the next day and the next day, whatever situation, whatever would come, we want to trust in the sovereign, powerful, and enabling God through Jesus, we pray. And for those of you who um, you're watching this and you're kind of on the on the fence a little bit and you say I'm just exploring here I'm interested but I'm just exploring let me challenge you to go deeper and to call out to God and to seek after him and to reach for him you're not watching this broadcast by accident I think that God is at work in your life Uh, so keep going and keep growing and feel free to uh, message me you can use whatever platform you want to reach out and uh, our church would love to be a part of your spiritual growth okay Uh, so remember just a couple of things to remind you of before we finish up today Uh, remember the video bible study group starts tomorrow there's probably a way we can get that on the screen along with simon and me i think we can get it all on the screen with this new thing but anyway remember the video bible study starts uh, not tomorrow wednesday and tomorrow uh we will do your questions god's questions with live q a and prayer why doesn't god take away covid will be the main question and remember as well you can join that facebook discipleship group as we continue to grow together God bless you, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in with us. We look forward to being with you again next week for our service. Have a great, great Sunday.